It's time for Business Minds Coffee Chat, an inspiring show about the journey to personal and professional growth. And now, your host, Jay Shear. Hey everyone, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat, and I'm your host, Jay Shear. And today, I am joined in the studio by my very special guest, Charles Solano. Charles is the pastor of Grace Tabernacle Ministries International. He's the chairman and founder of Grace Community Food Pantry, the founder and chairman of Open Door Reentry and Recovery, and one of the most well-known philanthropists in Flagler County. And on top of all of that, he's just a great human being. Charles, it is so good to see you. Thank you so much for being here today on oh, the show. Thank you. thank you for the invitation, Jerry. Thank you for the kind words. Absolutely. Great to be here. Well, I am thrilled that you're here. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about today. I, I thought a good starting point for us would be for you to share a bit about your backstory. We've talked about this before, but we haven't done it on the show. And just a couple of things to kind of kick us off. I know that your family moved from Italy to the United States in 1958, and you grew up with not many means, and that you, your brother, and your four sisters shared a bed at one point in your youth. So starting there, Give us a bit of context around your early story and what, what what life was like for you at that stage in life. Um, well, it was, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking back, Jay, uh, uh, leaving Italy, uh, a village where everybody knew everyone and pretty much everybody was at the on the same level. We didn't know what, really, what poverty was really. You know, we uh, it, it was great to grow up there. Uh, coming to America was more traumatic. Uh, you know, we, we toughed it out. I mean, looking back, I see the, I see, you know, things that, uh, decisions I made, um, based on, um, you know, the, the culture shock. Um, so, uh, we you know I never saw appliances. I, we never, we never, uh, uh, really had any kind of luxuries, um, uh, over there. So, uh, coming here, being, uh, not speaking the language, the only word I knew was no. And um, I went through uh, grade school having to go back. Uh, uh, to, they put me in a grade. Uh, they skipped the grade for me because my cousin uh, in, the, in this class was uh, my interpreter. So um, I learned a, a good uh, study ethic because I had to go back and do all kinds of remedial work in order to catch up to where everybody else was at. Uh, and uh, it seems like I was always studying, but, um, but it was uh, – uh, you know, a transition that was new to me. I didn't know how to act. I didn't, I didn't, I, but you know, being a kid was great because kids are kids, right? So I was welcomed and, uh, our, and our family struggled and, um, you know, but we, you know, I had good, hardworking parents. They, uh, they always meant the, the best for us. And, uh, we, uh, you know, just, uh, took on the new culture as it were and try to assimilate. So what what was one of the most valuable lessons, as you think back now, one of the most valuable lessons that you took away from your mother first and then your father second? One of the most valuable lessons. Hard work. Hard work. 
um, you know, uh, I was not, uh, you know, <laughs> when I met these, uh, friends of mine, uh, uh, they were getting allowances. I didn't, I don't know what an allowance was. They were getting free time Saturdays. They could do whatever they wanted to do. I would want to go with them. And, um, my father could know you're painting the fence today or you're doing this today. And, uh, so I was always, you know, geared about working around the home. And, uh, you know, improving our situation as it were. And everybody was to contribute. As a matter of fact, uh, when I got the, uh, when I got my first job, um, a paper route, I got, which evolved into three paper routes. Uh, I was only allowed to keep $2 out of that 17 a week that I made. Everything went to the home. So, uh, those are valuable lessons. Uh, you know, I, I wish I would have had more at the time, but I understand, you know, I understand, I understand looking back what my father was doing. Everybody had to chip in in order for us to make it going forward. Interesting. And, and what about your, what, what about your mother? Was it a similar type of lesson or was there something else that you recall that she shared with you that stayed within your heart and soul? Well, she was, uh, you know, she was the rock, really. She was the rock. Um, she taught me how to cook. I love to cook. Uh, but we spent a lot of time together. She was more into arts. And, and, you know, she did all the hard work and everything, but she would point me in different directions that um, I was not, you know, really, I, I would have not gone there uh, in my on my own. Um, so she wanted me to study a lot. She wanted me to read a lot. Uh, she made sure I did my homework. Uh, she watched me do my homework. And but she always pointed me to music or arts or painting. Well, uh, painting I, I couldn't do at all. She just wanted me to experience other things in life other than the drudgery of work as it was for me at that time. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's amazing. So you, it sounds like you had a, a a nice balance there of the the hard work, the focus on putting in the effort, and also some culture. Yeah, right. Kind of expanding your your worldview a little bit. Right. Exactly. As well. So so Charles, what is what is something that you believed about yourself early in life when you were a, a young person that you found out later wasn't true? So something that you believed about yourself but you found out later wasn't true? Hmm, what a question. Um, well, um, I thought I maybe, uh, you know, just to reflect on it a little bit, I, I was, uh, I was uh, you know, raised where – the priest in Italy was the most powerful person in the village. Uh, and so he had a great influence on our family. So I thought that, you know, I mean, I had a, an awareness of God at an early age. And uh, coming here, um, that did not diminish. I, met, I, I even went for a few years to parochial school, uh, things of that nature. But I really thought that I was better than what I turned out to be a little bit later in life. I thought I could make the right decisions, um, the moral, right moral decisions, uh, you know, uh, that I would not be uh, one that would trip over, you know, not doing the right thing. And so, uh, you know, it, when, later on, the, the, the culture shock just uh, got to me to the point where I was different than everybody else, only in the economic sense of, of the, um, the setting. And so uh, I started to, uh, you know, think differently about how am I going to make it 
Uh, how 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 are you know how am I going to help my family? Am I ever going to be able to afford to have my own family? I'm looking at things at this age, and I didn't have those things, uh, and uh, so I it started to wear on me about wanting things. So that wanting, that that pull, and that desire for those things, mm-hmm. what did that ultimately lead you to do? So what was the very first thing that opened your eyes? You know, when I asked you about something that you believed about yourself and you mentioned about, uh, you know, making certain decisions and thinking that you were, uh, were, were better than you were, let's say, what mm-hmm. was the thing that, what was the first thing that you did where you said, Oh, this is different from what I had imagined? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, there was a lot of accountability, uh, in our house. And, um, so it came time to, uh, I graduated high school and I got good grades all the way through. Uh, I never used a drug at all in high school, um, and then I decided to go to Essex County Community College. And um, by that time, uh, by the time I graduated, uh, there was marijuana that was out there that was prevalent. And then all kinds of other drugs came into play. But I, so I just tried it, uh, and then uh, at the same time, I applied for um, a grant and for financial aid to go to uh, Essex County College. For greater learning, and um, I received both. I didn't know what to do with the grant, though, so I went down uh, to the school and um, and I asked them, "What do I do with this?" And they said, "You can do whatever you want with it. It's a grant." I I, I, I didn't understand what a grant was really, but to get up to the second floor, they didn't have an elevator there, so you had to walk up the stairwell and back down in the stairwell. And everyone in there was doing every kind of drug imaginable. And so it clicked to me that I could take that $1,000 at that point in time and invest it in drugs and double the money uh, and just keep it going like that. That was my first big mistake. But but you had had no experience with that. So no. the idea to do that, to right. be able to take that $1,000 and convert it into something greater and right. be able to sell this, uh, sell these drugs, was that something that you had seen, you were seeing others do? Was someone encouraging you to do that? Or you just said, I- I've got to find a way to be able to make more money? Yeah, a little bit of both, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, it speaks to uh, uh, entrepreneurship. That was always there a little bit, I would guess. Uh, but, I, yeah, I did see, you know, I did, I did hear about transactions and things like that. I never thought about the ramifications, though. That's how powerful the pull of uh, making money was for, you know, the poverty that I was experiencing. Uh, and um, so um, I never thought about that. I never thought about what, you know, the bad stuff that could happen. I just thought about the, all this is everybody's doing it. And so uh, everybody's enjoying this. Uh, so maybe this is a way for me to make money. So that's the first bad decision, let's say, that mm-hmm. led you down a, a certain path at this stage. Walk us through a bit of a timeline to share where that decision ultimately led. So when we think about the decisions we make in life, and you mentioned the word accountability, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes we don't think beyond that initial that initial decision, That's right? Correct. Just like you said. So <clears throat> ultimately, what what happens from that point? Well, from what happens at that point is I did that for a couple of years, and um, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's hit or miss. You got to be you got to learn how to do business. But uh, what led uh, what I did was I moved down to uh, Key West. I'm the, I'm the first person uh, in my family that uh, left the family fold uh, without going to college or without going to uh, without getting married. So that was unheard of, uh, and so I received some pushback on that. 
But I, I moved to Key West and I had a trade because my father was a, a carpenter and he taught me a lot. So I was able to make a living down there. Uh, but that's where I started to meet a lot of different people. It's a different, different vibe down there entirely, different culture down there entirely. And I met, uh, you know, people that were talking about smuggling and things of that nature. Uh, from there, I started to uh, graduate uh, to uh, larger amounts. And uh, it was easier because I was getting it up front and they need the money. So I didn't have to, this big investment I had to make. Uh, so I was given an opportunity to make money by driving it to different areas of the country and things of that nature and after that uh for a while uh and i had some setbacks in that but i always recovered it was you know uh i wanted to break into the upper tier where there were less um less risks involved um because um you know, you're handling it and then you're moving it and then you're handling it again and then you're selling it. That's a lot of exposure. So what I did was um, I, I asked uh, for a position to go on a boat to Colombia and be an actual actually smuggle. Uh, and so um, we did that. And from there. Uh, was successful, and uh, after that, uh, because I, uh, the way that I handled that trip, they wanted uh, me. They asked me to be the offloader of ships that were coming in. So I formed the crew from the crew uh, from some of the crews that were, you know, that was exposed to, and we were unloading planes, we were unloading ships uh, and sailboats and things of that nature. So now I'm making more money, uh, and I was able to expand more. Uh, for instance, I, rather than take the cash, they would uh, offer me the product. And if I took the product, I could make about 30% more. Uh, and so I started to acquire a, a lot more wealth, and that opened up more doors because now I can purchase myself. And it just went on and on that way. And, you know, it used to be that uh, when we started, uh, business was done on a handshake. But after that, after a while, after a few years of that, um, it started to get uh, more serious where people are trying to steal from you. Uh, you're doing business with people that maybe uh, you didn't start out with, but you're looking to expand your business. So I ran into some people that I went to school with uh, and who were um, – they had uh, – their families were involved in uh, mafia um, connections. And so, um, they had bigger connections than I did, but they didn't know what to do with the product. I had, they had no experience with it. So I got involved with them and that's when my world really got dark. It really got dark because I, I went for the greater money. If you notice the one thing here, the, the, the one theme here is that I was, money was my God. Money was my way out. Uh, you, and I, I had enough at that time to just get out and maybe never even go to jail or anything like that. But, you know, I saw these opportunities and I was really good at what, at what I did. But these people were dark. Uh, and, um, you know, I didn't expect that from friends I went to school with. But that's that's what they turned out to be. So it was a bad time then. Well, we're going to take a brief break here to thank our amazing sponsors. And when we, when we come back, we're going to continue this storyline because there's so much more to this story and what ultimately happens and how Charles turns his life around. So stay tuned. We will be back here shortly. Don't go anywhere.
Let your local farmer's insurance agent, Michael Zeef, put his experience to work for you. Michael Zeef proudly serves Flagler County families and businesses and is ready to review your existing policies or provide a no-obligation quote today. Call Michael Zeef at 386-276-9130 to get smarter about your insurance. Again, that's Michael Zeef at 386-276-9130. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, ba, da, bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. There's no business like show business like no business i know visit the fitzgerald performing arts center at flagler auditorium we're about to release our new season of professional touring shows visit our website at flaglerentertainment.com sign up for our newsletter you can be the first to know about our shows and special offers and remember every time you buy a ticket to a show you support the performing arts in flagler schools and you support our local economy Got bugs? No one likes bugs. I'm Brad with Eagle Pest Solutions. Get rid of and prevent bugs with Eagle Pest Solutions. Human and pet safe annual treatments. If the bugs come back, so do we for free for one year from treatment. Your Flagler County locally owned and veteran owned pest control solution. Safer, better, and less intrusive. Roaches, ants, or spiders? Call today. Eagle Pest Solutions, 386-445-7414. That's 386-445-7414. Looking for a trusted advisor to help you buy or sell real estate? Look no further than Jack Corbett at Coldwell Banker Premier Properties. With over 20 years of experience in real estate, Jack is an award-winning top producer ready to help you achieve your real estate goals. First-time home buyer or a seasoned investor, Jack has the expertise and knowledge to guide you through the process. Call 386-569-1872 and take the next step in your real estate journey. That's 386-569-1872. All right, we're back. And again, you're listening to Business Minds Coffee Chat. And I am in the studio today with my very special guest, Charles Solano. And wow, what a powerful conversation we're having. Charles has been sharing part of his journey with us and how he went from being an immigrant to the United, coming to the United States and ultimately getting the drug trade, finding his way to Key West, getting involved with uh, some some pretty dark people, and always on the chase for more and more money. So, Charles, let's continue the conversation here. So, you you met some people. You're in a dark spot here. Were you were you continuing to use the product? at this point that you were selling or was it primarily just were you just selling drugs no i was using it as well okay yeah i was using it as well um G- give us a sense of what kind of drugs we're talking about that you were uh that you were involved in was it was it cocaine you started with marijuana but i started with marijuana and then um uh there were there would be um uppers you know some okay. speed uh there would be um a little bit of cocaine at the beginning, and then it would be LSD. Uh, that was the the rage back then. Uh, mushrooms, uh, but uh, it was always uh, uh, marijuana. And I only dealt in marijuana because I understood the ram- the the possible ramifications of hard drugs and jail time. So uh, back then, it was not uh, it was wide open. And if I got caught with a thousand pounds, I would probably do six months or something. Whereas at the end of my career, um, a thousand pounds would get you about fifteen years. So things changed a lot. So 
what ultimately happened. So you you get caught. Mm-hmm. How did you get caught, and what happened from there? Well, actually, uh, it I, I've been I've been arrested five times, uh, and once was um, driving from Key West to New Jersey. Um, and that was a, a bad decision on my part. I should have pulled over. I couldn't find a motel room. I decided to keep driving at three o'clock in the morning on a state road in New Jersey. I got pulled over and, uh, then I was arrested, but I, I had a good lawyer uh, and it took me about a year, but they threw the case out because they had no probable cause for search. Uh, so, um, uh, then from there I went right back and started doing the same thing again. I even had, um, just to start over again, um, uh, my associate down there just said, here, just, just take this 150 pounds, go back, you know, get yourself on your feet again and, you know, just get, get sell it and bring back the money and everything. Well, I did, uh, uh, bring it up to Jersey, but, uh, the house I was still uh, storing it in, uh, caught fire and burned the whole product. Oh <laughs> so I had, so I had to go back, but you know, they, they, they trusted me and everything. I, I gave them the news article. I said, you know, and I wouldn't have come back if I stole it. Right. So, um, so that was another setback. And after that, that's when I went on the, that trip to, uh, uh, Columbia. And after that, it was pretty much just, uh, offloading and, um, and, and setting up a network of my, uh, for myself. I wanted uh, to be able to, case anything happened, have my own network of buyers. So, um, smuggling was one thing, but now I needed a nation, I needed a, a, a wide network of uh, sellers and it expand, expanded around the country, really. Uh, good folks that I used to be able to do business with uh, on a handshake. Uh, never really, it was uh, relatively new for people to give product out on the arm, as it were. Um, you know, just like on credit and, and get paid. Uh, and so the people that I associated with after that, uh, these, um, uh, you know, basically mob, uh, kind of people with backgrounds, they didn't, they, they, they just didn't understand that. Uh, my worst decision was to go with somebody that I, um, you know, uh, grew up with and went to school with. Uh, who had connections, who was actually born into that kind of a uh, uh, family. And, um, you know, it just, it just uh, turned really, really dark after that because you couldn't trust anybody. I couldn't trust anybody that I met. They were looking to rob me, uh, you know, without me knowing what they were trying to do. And it just, I just couldn't trust anybody. My whole world changed. And then it came to a point where even after several years of this, you know, I just hated my life. I mean, I absolutely hated it. The money wasn't worth it anymore. Uh, and, um, it, it, you know, it's, uh, I became a, I became a big earner. And so, uh, after that, um, yeah, there was a, a setup in, in Long Island. I don't know if you want me to go into these things. Well, I, I'd like to, to find out what flipped the switch. I mean, the story that you're telling is amazing. Yeah. And I, I certainly want to dig deeper, but as because of, of time constraints, we'll have to have that conversation another time. But sure. what ultimately flipped the switch for you? Because you, you mentioned early in the conversation that, uh, that, that God was a part of your life yeah. early on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it seems like throughout this entire period that you're describing right now, this was all about the chase for money, right? right? It was it, that was your primary focus, right? And so, so what what did flip the switch? What ultimately changed your life and moved you in a different direction? I didn't like the people I was dealing with anymore. It was it became an ugly business as opposed to something that was just. 
you know, part of the culture. People smoke pot, so that's it. Um, but I started to, you know, think about God again. I mean, he, there was many episodes where, you know, I, I, I could actually have been killed. I mean, there are many stories like that. But um, uh, I, I became a big earner for this new um, group that I was uh, dealing with, and uh, they didn't really want to let me go. And um, ultimately, it came down to um, that they wanted me that was proposed to become what they call the made man. Uh, and a made man is somebody that, um, you know, you have to go out, you actually have to kill somebody. And so uh, I didn't, you can't, and you can't, you, you can't say no because it's an, in, not only is it an insult, uh, because uh, a made man has to go out and kill somebody, it's actually a conspiracy to mit, commit murder. If you say no to it, you have to die because it's, possible that you could turn state's evidence uh, later on down the road so what did you do so what i did was i prayed i went home about two o'clock in the morning my wife was upstairs uh sleeping and i just sat there for for about two or three hours till early morning uh wasn't quite light yet and just prayed it for god to get me out of this uh you know i've had enough i'll serve you now Uh, because you know there was a call on my life uh from early on and i never forgot that i just kept running from it because one more deal one more deal so um, eventually after that, I was – so at that time, I was partners with somebody who was a very respected man, a very feared man in the, in the sense that uh, nobody would you know, mess with him at all. But he, he was t- teaching me the ropes of how to live in that life, and I thought I, I thought that was it. And, and I was saying, like, I really ruined my life because this is not the life I wanted. This is horrible. Um, but he, he, he came with the proposal, and I said, I don't want to do that. He says, you can't say that. So um, – I, uh, he said, I'll just tell him I didn't ask you yet. Uh, and uh, so I, I, when I went home and I prayed, uh, it was two months later that that man who was training me in everything um, uh, had a stroke and he died. Um, and, you know, he, he, after that, uh, I would fall to his son because now I belong to that family um, as, as, as a, kind of like a possession. Um, and his son, um, um, was not a good bit, smart businessman and I didn't really want to be uh, his partner. He was an okay guy. Uh, but, um, he was, uh, driving on the garden state parkway 4am in the morning, smoking crack cocaine while driving, drove into an embankment and became a vegetable. So now I'm wide open and, um, uh, I, I, I would fall to a family whose name I won't mention. Uh, they, there was a big group there in Northern Jersey and, um, I would fall to them. But what happened was that their boss who was living in Fort Lauderdale turned state's evidence against them for all the crimes that they ever wow. committed. So while I'm wondering how I'm going to get out of this, God's getting me out of it. All those people got 25 years to life. And as a drug dealer, nobody would talk to me because that's a bad thing when you're going to court. <laughs> so I was able to move. Nobody's ever bothered me. Um, you know, I, I never put anybody in jail. Uh, and I, uh, you know, would, I still go up there to visit my, my sister uh, and over the years. And it, it, you want to you hear uh, how it ends on a funny note. There was a man there. The man who had the stroke had a brother. Uh, my, the man that was training me had a brother, and he was a businessman, a really smart, good businessman, very wealthy. 
wanted me to work for him. So when my brother was still alive, he would go there for Christmas to pay his respects and say hello and everything. And he'd always ask for me. He'd always say, where's Charlie? Where's Charlie? So finally, uh, I said, Nikki, just tell him I became a pastor. Uh, and he goes, what? <laughs> he says, I can't tell him that. I said, no, you can tell him that. Just, just tell him I became a pastor. So the year of, uh, end came and he went over there. He says, how's Charlie doing? He goes, well, he wanted me to tell you hello. He said he became a pastor. So his name is Andrew. I, I think he passed on now. And he goes, a pastor? A pastor? You know, makes sense. He always did know how to make money. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What a story. True story. That is incredible. So, so Charles, we're going to, we're going to have to continue this conversation because we've, we've heard such an amazing story up to this point, but what we really want to explore the next time we have the conversation is the transformation that takes place, right? Mm -hmm. How life changes for you, how you become the person who you are today in the way that you serve the community and the way that you have decided to show up and give back and all the amazing things that you're, that you've been able to accomplish and that you're doing for the world today. So as we wrap up the conversation, at least today, I would love it if you would share with us just very quickly, 30 seconds or less, what is one of the greatest gifts that life has given you that you did not realize at the time? Hmm. Well, I mean, I would have to go to Jesus Christ myself. That's where I have to go. I mean, uh, I, when I, when I, I finally got saved and, uh, I finally surrendered to God and that's the greatest gift. And it, it, it transformed everything, everything I was looking for, I found in him. And so, uh, that's what motivates me for my service. And it's totally flipped the darkness that I was in into the light that I walk in today. And I'm, and, He's uh, directed my paths, uh, you know, by his word and uh, that, you know, people are so important to him. And um, he's made me realize that the the experiences that I have are actually for the benefit of somebody else. Put myself in that situation and then act accordingly to his will. Amazing. Well, there you go, everybody. Just an incredible story. And we're going to continue that conversation so you get to learn more about this transformation that has occurred. And I want to thank you, Charles, so very much for being here today on Business Minds Coffee Chat. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for your authenticity and for just being as real and as raw as a human being can possibly be. I want to thank you for that. Thank you, Jay. You're the best. Thank you. It is absolutely my pleasure. And for all of you, thank you so much for tuning into Business Minds Coffee Chat. We will be back next Saturday morning at 830. And until then, keep learning, keep growing, and keep doing the work to reach your potential. 